It's 11.30 on Tuesday, the 9th day of March, which means it's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll hear from uh, the whole cast is here. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen. He'll give us an update of how the first day of high school boys basketball is going in Lincoln. Also, we'll check in with Bob Brogan. Sounds like stocks are performing a little bit better here to start the day. And, of course, temperatures, they are beautiful. Maybe a taste of summer today is 70s now across the northern regions of Nebraska, 73 in Valentine. We'll get more on that from our own Paul Perkins coming up in about 15 minutes. But let's check in with our own Susan Littlefield, who's on the road in Des Moines. Susan, what do you have for us? Thanks so much, Tyler. I am on the road today. John Deere hosting a media event in Iowa, looking at some of the latest John Deere technology. Here is what's going to happen on the midday coming from the farm team. Greg Ibaugh is going to be joining me at 1219 as he talks about his new role within IANR. Then at 12.45, Alex will talk about the Nebraska Cattlemen's Foundation scholarships. You can also find a link for those scholarships through our website at ruralradio.com. And I don't know if you know, but this is National Groundwater Week. Chavella Guzman will check in more on that at 1.17. That's a midday from the farm team. All right, good stuff. Thank you very much, Susan. Appreciate it. Well, let's turn things over to sports. Jason Jorgensen, today is the first day of boys' high school state hoops. Yeah, it is. Uh, with quarterfinals and classes B and A, the first game today won by Norris over Blair, 62-46. The second game has Elkhorn taking uh, on Platteview at this time. That's an 8-5 game in the first quarter, so we will have updates for you coming up throughout the day. Also, uh, if you'd like to keep tabs on the scoreboard of all of this, you can find that. We have that linked at krvn.com. Also, uh, interesting times for KU Athletics in their football mm-hmm. uh, program. Les Miles, he and the school mutually decide to part ways, which is a good way to put it. <laughs> After uh, relevations, uh, allegations came out about how he uh, did things down at LSU. I remember the day. I remember where I was at. I was on my way to Kansas City years ago when Kansas fired Mark Mangino. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I thought to myself, be careful. Because that's a tough job. This, yeah, the guy had his warts, but he had figured out how to win. He got them to an Orange Bowl. Right, yep. And since Mark Mangino was fired as coach at KU, they have been lost in the wilderness. Well, now you have to wonder, who's going to want that job? <laughs> I don't know, Tyler. Because, I mean, Les Miles is a good coach, and if he can really do much No, and them, he, was, he was flailing there. Right. Who, who wants it now? So that'll be an interesting job. I mean... Does any of his assistants have any experience? Do we know about that? The KU football job is a lot like the Nebraska basketball job in many ways. I mean, mm-hmm. you you it's it's an organ it's a mm-hmm. school that's had success and others, mm-hmm. but just can't ever figure it out. Also, uh, coaching news: uh, Greg McDermott uh, he's yeah. out of timeout as uh, he had to set out one game for Creighton, and now he's back. Big East tournament starts tomorrow, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. And what are they seeded, by the way? Do you know? I believe they're second. Okay, all right. They they should be uh, they should do well, I would think, making their way through the tournament. You would think so. Hopefully, they can put all the controversy behind them. Okay, good stuff there. Thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Bob Rogan and how are stocks performing? Stock market is higher in trading a day after another slump in the sector pulled the Nasdaq more than ten percent below its February peak. Meanwhile, roughly 4 in 10 Americans say they're feeling, still feeling the financial impact of the loss of a job or income within their household uh, one year into the coronavirus pandemic. And the price of gas uh, went up a few cents over the past week. 
All right. Time for regional ag weather update, which means Paul Perkins is back in the studio. Well, Paul, we're looking at, uh, or by the end of the today, might be tasting a little bit of summer. Yes, uh, hard to believe, but near record highs expected across the area today, especially after we had, of course, once again, those sub-zero readings just a few days ago, already getting close to 80 over northwest Kansas, 76 right now at uh, Atwood, Kansas. And closer to this front, from about Valentine down to northwest Kansas, we are seeing those temperatures in the low to mid-70s, most of us with temperatures in the low to mid-60s, but we are as warm as also as 67 at Hill City and 68 at Smith Center. One bonus along with today's warmer temperatures, unlike yesterday, we won't have those strong south winds. Yeah, it was a bit on the breezy side yesterday. Many gusts up to around 30 and also seeing a lot more sunshine for today. So it does have a little bit of a warmer feel to it. <laughs> now, I know you're going to tell us, uh, unfortunately, some more bad news as uh, temperatures are going to drop off today. But... Enjoy today while we can. Yes, uh especially as we head towards the late part of the week. Definitely a system to watch. Uh, This first front moving through could bring us some uh, thunderstorm activity for tonight. Better chances of some rain and snow for the areas to the north, but definitely some better chances of moisture as we head towards the weekend. Just ahead of a cold front today, looking at sunny skies, a lot more sunshine than yesterday. Not as breezy as yesterday, and those near-record highs in the 70s to low 80s, the better chances of seeing near-record highs towards 80 will be across central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas. The warm and dry weather also contributing to near-critical fire weather conditions. A cold front will be the focus for some thunderstorms as it does dive southeast for tonight. It's going to make its way into west-central areas of Nebraska this afternoon. With that cold front and the chances for thunderstorms, the best chances will be to the north of I-80, pushing into eastern Nebraska during the overnight. A wave of low pressure tracks across South Dakota for tomorrow. Could bring us some light rain. Better chances will be towards the panhandle where some snow could mix in. And we are looking at the prospects of 2 to 4 inches of snow from western Cherry County to Shadron during the day tomorrow. Right now it's 73 degrees in Valentine, and they could be looking at some snow as we head towards tomorrow. In northern Kansas, the dry and milder weather for tomorrow will keep that fire weather danger at near critical levels. With the system to watch late in the week, and this is definitely a system to watch, rain and snow chances return for Friday and Friday night with the approach of low pressure. It is a strong low and will have a good supply of moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, likely producing significant precipitation somewhere on the plains. And we stress that word somewhere. The exact track and timing for a switch to snow still uncertain. The weekend is the most favored time for widespread precipitation. Precipitation expected to begin as rain for Saturday through Saturday night, lifting from south to north. As that system cools, a rain-snow mix or change to snow is possible. Right now, the better snow chances and chances for higher snow totals currently expected across the western half of Nebraska into northwest Kansas. In the long-term forecast, colder than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the U.S. for Sunday through March 22nd. The below-normal temperatures especially likely for Nebraska and Kansas the early half of next week. Near-normal precipitation in the forecast early next week in Nebraska and Kansas before it turns drier with below-normal precipitation the late half of next week through March 22nd. Key weather factors driving the markets include ongoing heavy rain in central Brazil and widespread chances for significant precipitation in the central U.S., a pair of storms will emerge from the west over the next five days. The first storm crossing the central plains and upper Midwest for the midweek and be accompanied by rain and snow. Some of the heaviest snow should fall from Wyoming to Minnesota, 
wintry precipitation tomorrow could bring much-needed precipitation to South Dakota in the form of snow. Late in the week, a second and stronger storm affecting the central and southern plains. The exact track once again closely watched for moderate to heavy precipitation in the southern plains wheat areas and the Midwest, especially the drought areas of the western southern plains. Central Brazil crop areas remain waterlogged by heavy rain. The rains are disrupting the soybean harvest and leading to quality loss along with acreage abandonment. The next seven days forecast to remain wet. Additionally, the prospects for central Brazil's second crop corn are being downgraded due to extensive planting delays and some forced replanting. Dryness over South Brazil continues this week and will produce stress for the remaining immature corn and soybeans and newly planted corn. So the system, and again, I know it's early this week, the system this upcoming weekend, with it being rain or snow, are we expecting a lot of precipitation, or is it still too early? It's still too early to tell on how much we're going to see exactly, but there's going to be some significant precipitation somewhere on the plains. It's just exactly where <laughs> that lands. But we are, we're probably going to be on the northern edges of it, the okay. way as things are looking right now. But don't be surprised if it does get pushed a little bit further to the north and we see better chances for rain and maybe some chances at accumulating snow, especially western Nebraska and northwest Kansas right now. So the best bet is just to expect some kind of accumulation, whether it's uh, snow or rain this upcoming weekend, anywhere. Definitely, yeah, and some much-needed moisture right. on the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess, you know, they always say at least one of the weekends for state basketball. It's true. Always they're stormy. It looks it's, like it's going to live up to it. Usually boys basketball, it, too, yeah. <laughs> we escaped it last weekend. Looks like it's going to happen this week. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, for a full weather forecast, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. All right. A new opportunity is in place for Greg Ibon. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The former U.S. Department of Agriculture Undersecretary has joined the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources as the Institute's inaugural Undersecretary in Residence. In that new role at IANR, Eyeball will help advance the Institute in areas including agricultural biotechnology policy, agricultural biosecurity, workforce training, and the partnership between the National Institute of Antimicrobial Resistance Research Education and APHIS, among other areas. Had the opportunity to catch up with Greg Iba to talk about this new role and what it means for him. I think this gives me a great opportunity to bring my state government experience as well as my federal agency experience uh, to the university and the perspectives that that gives me about how uh, they can interact uh, better with uh, uh, the federal government programs, especially at USDA, to be able to help them advance their priorities. Do you have a, a certain goal list in, in store for what you'd like to see done over the next, you know, the duration of your time there? So right now, we're, uh, I, they have me meeting with a bunch of the different uh, leaders on campus, learning about some of their priorities, the new centers they're establishing, understanding how they're going about interdisciplinary education and research, uh, which means their you know, animal science and ag econ and agronomy may all work together on a project to help farmers and ranchers. And from that, we're going to identify, uh, you know, a list of priorities 
uh, based on where I see intersects that I might can be helpful and contribute in and, and kind of move on from there. Do you think in some ways, and maybe not at INR, but in some universities, there's a disconnect between their educational portion and, and what happens within the USDA? Oh, I think that uh, the a lot of universities um, have the opportunity to reach out to USDA and other federal agencies and make sure they understand where they have expertise and where they might be leading the pack on a subject matter on a national uh, basis. And uh, because, you know, one of the things I noticed at USDA that it was very common for them to fall back on four or five institutions that they had worked with in the past and just assume that they would be able to, you know, help them out on a new project. Uh, when uh, I think there's opportunities for other universities to raise their hand and say, hey, we're the expert in this area. So what excites you about this new role? Oh, I think the opportunity to uh, not only help the university I graduated from, but also uh, help uh, bring focus to some of the projects that the Institute is working on in a way that will enhance Nebraska farmers and ranchers day-to-day lives and even uh, you know grow the Nebraska that's so tied to production agriculture. Those comments coming from Greg Ibaugh who again is the University of Nebraska Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture Natural Resources inaugural undersecretary in residence. This halftime role went into effect on February 1st. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time for midday sports, which means Jason Jorgensen is back in. And well, we have a couple games underway. One is uh, finished in the first day of boys high school state basketball. Yeah, Class B state quarterfinals. Top seeded Norris able to move past Blair today, 62 46. In the second game, it's Elkhorn up over Platteview, 55 40. Of course, games will continue today in Lincoln. Tomorrow, we will have coverage of the Southern Valley Boys versus Humphrey Lindsay Holy Family at 4. You can catch that game over on 93.1 The River. And on KUVR, it's Class D2 action as Loomis gets a rematch with Parkview Christian, who beat them soundly a year ago. Hopefully things go better for the Wolves this time around tomorrow at one thirty. It's interesting, both these matchups we'll have yeah. on the air are rematches, except Southern Valley won last year over Humphrey Lindsay Holy Family. So we'll you have that, that practice to twirl off the tongue tomorrow on the game my worry is by the time i say it it'll be already to the opposite end of the floor or the quarter might be over we'll see what happens that's a that is a mouthful (laughs) we'll make it work when you're a pro you'll make it work les miles is out as kansas's head football coach just days after he was placed on administrative leave amid sexual misconduct allegations from his tenure at lsu last week and ironically enough miles actually wanted this report out he thought it would clear his name well it, it didn't do that it did the opposite Kansas announced his departure last night, describing it as a mutual agreement, which means we're going to give Miles some money, and he won't sue us, we won't sue him. Uh, Miles had three years left on that original five-year deal. Kansas Athletic Director Jeff Long, who made the mistake of hiring Miles in the first place, says the search for a new coach has been launched, and this time will be assisted by an outside firm. So because it's a mutual deal, is he still going to get paid? Oh, yeah. I was talking to my lawyer friend. He said, oh, yeah, he gets paid. He said, that's, wow. how, that's how you do this. 
Nebraska football knows something about that. Yes, we, we do. <laughs> Great men's basketball coach Greg McDermott. He's been reinstated for all team activities following his one-game suspension for racially insensitive comments he made to the players back in late February. Actually, the school's AD let the players decide. Right. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, he, he served his time. Uh, the decision will allow McDermott to coach the Blue Jays in this week's Big East tournament. Nebraska's Sam Hybe captured second team all Big Ten honors to headline a group of four Husky earned recognition when the all-conference teams were announced. She deserved it. The junior guard from Minnesota led the Huskers at 17 points and five rebounds per game. Nebraska plays in the first round of the Big Ten tournament tomorrow morning at 10 against Minnesota. Of course, the Gophers are 2-0 this year against Nebraska. We'll have that game over on Kimmy Country. They're 2-0, and but they're two games that Nebraska yeah. probably either yeah. should have and or could have won. Win. Yeah. Right. And I don't know how this will work, but former Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops will replace <laughs> Urban Meyer on Fox Saturday's college football pregame show. Now, for years, and I talked about this earlier today over on the river, I watched Bob Stoops at the Big 12 media conferences have the personality of a brick. Here's the thing, though. Urban Meyer doesn't have much of a personality Yeah, either. but he, he was smoother in front of everyone. Maybe maybe big game Bob will be good at this. I I don't know. I thought the first that was my first thought as well when I saw that announced earlier today. But then I thought, you know, Urban doesn't have a lot of personality. He's he's kind of dry. But uh, yeah, you 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 more know more about Bob. You've been to his press conferences and okay, all right, it'll be interesting. Urban was really good on TV. He was fantastic. I mean, you, I mean, you could dislike yeah. him as a coach mm-hmm. and the way he's done and things, but he was a fantastic His analyst. Insight that he yeah. is so connected, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying Bob Stoops isn't either, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure they auditioned him, and he's fine. But it's just it—it it wasn't the first name I thought about no, either. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. The RBN went on the air during a blizzard. A lot has changed in the 70 years, but one thing hasn't. Our dedication to our listeners. Since 1951, KRVN has been busting through blizzards, and we're doing it again. This year, KRVN, The River, and Cami are giving you the opportunity to win a blizzard-busting Polaris 450 EPS. This ATV is brand new with front and back racks, and we're adding a go-light with remote control. It's a complete package for bad weather and good. Blizzard Buster is sponsored in part by The Home Agency, Homestead Bank, Your Journey, Your Bank, Member FDIC, Budkey Power Sports, North Platte, and Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, and Colorado Land Tire Group. From busting through snowdrifts during calving to riding the winter in the fall looking for that perfect buck, the Polaris is a workhorse that's also loaded for fun. Register at Husker Irrigation, Holdridge and Kearney, North Platte Feed Center, North Platte and Minden, Exchange Bank and Trust, Minden. See more registration locations at krbn.com. It's time for Midday News here on this Tuesday, which means News Director Dave Schroeder has stepped in. And Well, Dave, we're, uh, we're starting with COVID here in Nebraska. Yes, you bet. Well, we do want to mention that Nebraska health officials continue to identify more cases of the different variants of the mm. coronavirus in the state. Yesterday, five cases of the variant first identified in the United Kingdom and 14 cases of a variant first identified in California have now been confirmed in Nebraska. Both of those variants of the virus are believed to be more easily transmitted. State officials say they expect to receive more than 82,000 doses of the vaccines this week. That may lead to a small drop in the number of people vaccinated in the state this week after officials vaccinated more than 90,000 people across the state last week. 
Among the many things that isn't discussed when it comes to farm safety is mental health. Public Health Program Director for AgriSafe Network, Kenesha Rose Davison, says there are many things out of a farmer's control, like the weather, market prices, livestock, and much more than, that uh, can affect their mental health. So we have resources to talk about um, how to have that conversation with family members if you're seeing things. They just don't seem like themselves. If they're not keeping up their farm as they would, some warning signs and some tips. We have uh, mental wellness for farm families because it's a, it's a tough topic, and we, we see that a lot in agriculture, which I, I think some of the numbers are stating that from those who are in the ag industry have higher suicide rates than other industries. So we want to kind of have those conversations before it would get to that point. To find tips on how to talk to a farmer or rancher who may be struggling or to look up more information, go to agrisafe.org. Kansas's Attorney General Derek Schmidt has launched his campaign for Kansas governor. He kicked it off today with after weeks of heightened visibility for the three-term Republican because of the GOP-controlled legislature's debates over Democratic Governor Laura Kelly's handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Schmidt is the first major Republican to formally announce a candidacy for the right to challenge Kelly in 2022, though former Governor Jeff Collier signals his plans to run Friday. Lawmakers have boosted Schmidt's visibility by pushing legislation to give the attorney general a check on the governor's power during future emergencies. He's clashed with Kelly during the pandemic and joined battles over the 2020 election. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. The application deadline is quickly approaching for the Nebraska Cattlemen Foundation scholarships. And joining us with more information today is Ryan Lowski. He is the Nebraska Cattlemen Foundation vice president. Ryan, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Tell us a little bit more, first of all, broadly speaking, about the Nebraska Cattlemen Foundation scholarships. Sure. Broadly speaking, um, the Nebraska Cattlemen Foundation was established in 1960. Eight, and its mission is to advance the future of Nebraska's beef industry by investing in research and education programs. So obviously that entails a lot, but one of the main education programs that excites me the most is the offering of our scholarships. And last year we offered slightly over $60,000 in scholarships to 47 students um, from senior and high school to all the way up to grad students. Students that are involved in uh, um, beef industry involvement and, and interest in returning to the beef industry. So now current students still have the opportunity to apply. Tell us more about the details of this year's scholarships. You bet. So we did. Uh, we do offer Nebraska Cattlemen Beef State Scholarship, and that's our big uh, $10,000 scholarship. That application was due on the 15th of February, and we have selected four quality applicants that we're going to interview for that. But the uh, deadline for the general Nebraska Cattlemen Foundation scholarships, which will range from $1,000 to $1,250, that deadline is due the 15th of March, and that is postmarked by the 15th due in the Nebraska Cattlemen's office. Um, and there is some things that need to go with it, some letters of reference and some uh, transcripts. So don't procrastinate till the last day because there is some things that will need to come along with to have the deadlines complete. Absolutely. Ryan, for students who might be listening or parents or grandparents, who is eligible to apply for the scholarships? 
Sure, you bet. So eligible students would be a high school senior or a college student, and as I mentioned before, that they have an interest in the beef industry or um, plan on coming back to the beef industry. They do not have to attend a Nebraska college or university, but preference will be given to students attending in-state schools. And so another thing, I guess, just to mention as far as Academics performance is something we look at, but, you know, not everybody's a 4.032 ACT student, so don't let that deter you from applying because we do look at beef industry involvement in your career goals and the quality of your application as well. So academic performance is important, but it's certainly not the, the primary thing we look at. Great information. Well, Ryan, you mentioned that last year, there was over $60,000 that the Nebraska Cattlemen was able to grant to students. Give us an idea of where you're able to get these funds to give these scholarships to students. You bet. A lot of those would be named scholarships that people have uh, created endowed funds within our foundation. Um, so we're very grateful for those. And those are, like as I mentioned, they're endowed funds, so we're able to give um, you know, from 1000 to $1,250, depending on how the market performs every year. So we're very grateful for those endowed scholarships. But we also, another fundraiser, we have almost 170 steers on feed in our annual retail steer challenge. I believe we've been doing that for almost 20 years, and those are on feed out at Dar Feedlot now. And so we kind of gather those up in October. And then... Uh, their own feed and we kind of have a fun contest at the end where we award some prizes and stuff for uh rate of gain or carcass contest i think we have three different divisions but uh that's another part of our major fundraiser um that enables us to to give this much scholarship money absolutely and there's also a unique part about the scholarship program with the partnership between central life sciences and the foundation can you tell me more about that you bet. This year, Central Life Sciences um, has an Alphacet IGR product that goes in your cattle mineral out on grass for fly control. So this year, they're uh, generously offering $10 a ton to uh, go to our foundation to go to scholarships for every ton purchased this year. So I guess, and that those purchases need to be made between January 1st and May 31st. So if you're a user of that, um, maybe get it booked before the end of May, and we can use that to, to go to a scholarship fund. All right. Great information, Ryan. Thanks so much. You bet. Again, we've been visiting with Ryan Lowski. He is the vice president of the Nebraska Cattlemen's Foundation. Now, just as a reminder, the Nebraska Cattlemen Foundation scholarships are due next Monday, March 15th, and eligible, eligible students include high school seniors and college students, and the minimum amount for a scholarship is $1,000. You can find more application information, including eligibility, at NebraskaCattlemen.org. Just go to the About tab and click on Foundation. Broadcasting this afternoon from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network. This week is National Groundwater Week. Established in 1999, the week highlights the responsible development, management, and use of groundwater. Ben Freck, Public Relations Manager of National Groundwater Association, explains more on the importance of the week. 
you know, groundwater, especially in rural America, um, because of its uses in private water wells and agriculture is an extremely important and um, widely used resource. So we use this week to try to educate the public on the importance of groundwater and the importance of keeping it safe and healthy uh, for everyday use. Uh, you know, we do this through social media campaigns. We do this through other media campaigns as well as advocacy campaigns uh, to lawmakers and, uh, you know, state and national leaders talking about the importance of groundwater, uh, you know, keep making sure it's properly managed uh, to, you know, making sure that it stays uh, safe and healthy. Freck says just last week, EPA issued an announcement the agency would start the process to regulate certain PFAS chemicals in drinking water. PFAF chemicals are considered forever chemicals found in everyday stuff such as nonstick bakeware, Teflon, and firefighting foams. Feck says the chemicals are also really hard to get rid of in soils and water. And what we've seen over the years, too, is that they're basically ever-present in people. Um, you know, most every human being on the planet now has some form of these PFAS chemicals in their body. And, you know, we're still really early in the research of determining what these chemicals will do to the human body. Um, you know, all signs have basically pointed to, you know, in very high doses, doses they have a negative impact on the body. Um, so, you know, that's why we're thrilled that the EPA is starting to look at, you know, regulating these chemicals in drinking water. Even though the chemicals have been around since World War II, not much is known about them. The EPA will now look at how much is safe, what is not, and what can be done to regulate the chemicals. You know, been a lot of research on this lately, but there's not a huge, you know, for the last 50 years, a lot of research on PFAS. So this is really a great first step from the EPA to really start regulating these chemicals in drinking water, which is something, you know, uh, ourselves and a lot of people in the uh, water industry have been really uh, pushing them to do for, you know, the last couple of years. Freck says groundwater awareness is important to cross the nation, and especially in rural areas. He says on top of agriculture using groundwater, there are more than 35 million domestic wells. So, you know, one thing people can do if they want to just take some very basic steps is look in their own backyard if they have a private water well uh, or if they depend on groundwater to irrigate their crops. Get your water tested. Uh, get your water well tested. There's a great site we operate called wellowner.org, along with the EPA and the Rural Community Department. Partnership Association. Freck says the National Groundwater Association also offers activities and other educational events during the week. We work with our partners um, across the industry with, um, you know, environmental groups, uh, groups within the industry, and agriculture groups to really help spread the word and get resources so people can contact their state legislators and their uh, federal legislators and, you know, urge them to support policies that uh, promote uh, uh, reasonable groundwater management, promotes uh, healthy and safe groundwater. Uh, you know, we also do um, programs with education. Uh, we, you know, a big part of what we do is try to educate uh, students and children on groundwater. So this week we uh, provide a lot of free resources to schools um, and places like after-school programs and uh, daycare centers. Uh, we provide them with free resources, um, and sometimes we actually offer them uh, uh, our hands-on kits, our awesome aquifer kits, um, to, to you know educate students on the importance of groundwater, um, you know, and try to you know spark that interest at a young age in groundwater, and you know hopefully uh, potentially even create you know the next generation of groundwater professionals. To learn more about groundwater and how to get involved, visit www.ngwa.org. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman.
Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network now as we talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, maybe not the most exciting WASDE report to come out, but despite the fact that really we didn't line up with analyst expectations, the grains actually have a fairly solid close on the day. Yeah, new crop, especially making a new high here, 484, a new crop, uh, December corn. That's that's kind of where, again, the value is. I think you get in the longer-term markets here, um, you know, that's that's where things can get scared up. We're still rather cheap in this crop year and the next crop year. And I think you take opportunities to hedge those years, uh, especially if you get a problem this summer. And that's where you maybe get like 450, 460 even on uh, the Beast 22, um, you know, with phase one kind of wrapping up, I don't think there's any guarantee that China's going to be there, and that's where the gamble kind of has to come. But it's too cheap, in my opinion, especially relative to old crop, to do anything. You know, one thing we're seeing, though, uh, in terms of that currency, it looks like South America's not going to back off on acres any. Will this change anything, what we see in two weeks coming from FSA on the U.S. acreage side of it? No, I don't think so. We're going to be maxed out regardless. So in the last few years, I mean, the, the, the weaker emerging markets, really pushed the U.S. farmer out of the markets. I mean, we've seen, I'm not saying low acreage, I mean, we're still top 10 percentile of all time, but, um, you know, much less than, say, we were, we had this year and back in 2013. Uh, I think the markets right now are, are essentially grasping with what demand is going to be, uh, and I think that's where the chop, the, the near-term demand story is kind of over with, um, especially on the corn side. You're going to see some replacements come to the market here. The, the soybean side as well is trying to move to South America, but the new crops, story is certainly far away to be written and, and you know you and i've been doing this long enough to know it's it's not about when it's, it's not about if it's about when there's a story and there will be a story uh, at some point and i think it's got to be ready and that's where it makes old crops or new crop sales a little scary here you know, we've you've even brought up looking out into the 2022 new year, new crop contracts, you know, December corn 2022, November beans 2022. Is it still a situation where is that more still from the end user side? It's best to look at those or should the producer maybe kind of be thinking, you know, if I'm still going to be farming in two years, this is a valid contract. Well, if you can make, if you can lock in some profits, I think that's certainly the smart play. Um, on the end user side, I think you've got to take the game plan from the farmer the last four or five years, which means the harvest October timeframe, uh, August timeframe, when you tend to get new crop supply on hand, that's the best time to buy and buy longer traded contracts and vice versa on the corn side. You know, we've been looking to do that in the summertime. So don't, don't chase the market here in the near term. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing, and you can learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Thank you very much, Clay. That will wrap up this Tuesday edition of Midday. You can find Midday Podcast if you miss anything. I want to go back and listen to any of the segments. It's sponsored by Devaney Motors, and you can find that on any Android or iTunes device. You can also check it out at krvn.com.